Good morning, and good morning to everyone at home. Welcome to Evangel. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning, and we're going to begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come and gather and worship you. And Lord God, we ask that you would come and change our hearts and help us to grow in your love, to learn more about you. Lord God, we give you this time. We offer it up to you. Your will be done, we pray. In Jesus' name. So remember, you are allowed to sing. We can all sing together, and you can put your hands together as well if you'd like, and also those who are watching from home. There were walls between us. By the cross you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Sing that verse again. There were walls. There were walls between us. By the cross you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Feel the darkness shaking, feel the darkness shaking. All the dead are coming back to life, I'm back to life. Hear the song awaken, all creation singing, we're alive, cause you're alive. You called me out of the grave, you called me into the light, you called my name and then I came alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love Awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. And what a love we thought death can hold us down. We shouted out, We're alive, cause you're alive. And what a love we found Death can't hold us down We shouted out We're alive cause you're alive And what a love we found Death can't hold us down We shouted out We're alive cause you're alive Your love is greater Your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens
is overwhelmed, I will look to you alone. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. You will stand when others fall. You are faithful through it all. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. In the blessing and the pain. Testimony this morning. Amen. Yeah. 
without leaving your seat, would you just kind of turn and say hi and wave and smile? Well, okay, never mind. You're wearing a mask. Smile. Well, you can smile with your eyes, right? Smiles at somebody. There you go. you're here with us in this room. We're glad that for those of you who are joining us online this morning, we're just glad to be able to gather together, to worship together, to experience God's presence, to see each other. What a joy that is today. I just want to remind you of a couple of things before we continue with our service. Uh, just this past week on Wednesday, we hosted a Kids Fun Day and uh, our maximum registration is 30, and uh, we actually, uh, you know, reached maximum really fast, but there was a great day on Wednesday. It went exceptionally well. There are two more of those this summer. The next one is July the 28th, and uh, I know a number of you from Evangel uh, delayed not like you to put stuff off, but you delayed and uh, you didn't get in. So I just want to encourage you, if you want to get your children in, you need to move on that ASAP because the registration link is on our website. It's already posted and almost half the spaces are gone already. So if that's something that you want to do, make sure you move on that, but it's going to be another great day. Also want to thank you. Uh, last week, we uh, launched a project to uh, have to provide uh, backpacks for uh, 25 Indigenous kindergarten girls uh, that are going to be, these, these backpacks are going to be transported in a few weeks. And uh, in a very short period of time, uh, those backpacks were sponsored. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, they've all been sponsored now. And I also want to thank you uh, to the missions committee uh, to, for doing the shopping and the uh, assimilating all the bags, putting them all together and uh, assembling them and having them ready for uh, a couple of weeks from now. So thank you very much for that. Just want to remind you as well, after the service today, uh, all of you are invited. There will be an ice cream truck waiting outside, and we just want to provide an opportunity for you to, to, to fellowship and just to, to see one another again. And I know it's really hard right now, so we're trying to be as creative as we can be with that. So there will be an opportunity to do that. At the end of the service, we will leave the building immediately, but you can, you can distance outside, you can socialize outside, you can get yourself an ice cream. I know it's almost lunchtime, but you know what they say, right? Life is short. You got to eat dessert first, right? You just, it's just what you do. Has anyone here ever eaten ice cream for breakfast? Well, there you go. See? Yeah. So you, you guys are the, you, you guys are the uh, you're leading the way. You'll show us how it's done, eating it before lunch. So just keep that in mind. Kids, JK to grade five, if you could go around the back and up the side, and you are now free to go for kids' ministry this morning. JK to grade five. And uh, if, uh, if um, you have nursery, kids in nursery age, the nursery is open all through the service, so you can feel free to take your children downstairs to that space. That's it. I'm going to hand it back to Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Continue to lead us this morning. If you'd like to stay seated, you can. Um, but I do encourage you to stand up. I find it easier to sing when I stand. So we're going to continue to sing. And this is one of my... One of my favorite uh, worship songs, Your Love Defends Me. I just, I don't know. The words really resonate with me, and hopefully they do with you as well. Day after day 
There's a place for 
Scripture this morning is found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler, for leading us today. And uh, I just want to say thank you as well. Over the last 15, 16 months as we've attempted to connect in the best ways we can, um, just appreciate your support and help in recording weekly songs and making those available to us so we could put those ser video services together. And um, so it was a thank you. It really, really means a lot to us. I just also want to note too, if some of you came in this morning and you actually dropped money for a, a backpack uh, in the offering plate, I just want you to know there were a lot more backpacks than the number that we chose to sponsor. And so there were some that were not yet sponsored. So any money that comes in over and above the 25 that we selected, all of that money will still go to the project. 
and we'll cover some of those other backpacks that were not yet sponsored. So, so not to worry, your, your money's going to go there and for that exact cause. So we'll make sure we, we pass that along on your behalf. When I was growing up, children played outside whenever they could. Now, I, I say that like it's an unusual because on my street that has uh, a number of children, we rarely ever see them. Uh, but when we were growing up, we played outside whenever we could. In fact, I think our parents just made us go away, like just go somewhere else, not in the house. If it was a school day, as soon as you got home from school, you grabbed the snack and you headed right back out the door till supper time. If it was summer, you would head out the door, you know, as when you got up in the morning and you only came home to eat something and then out again. And in fact, the nice part of summer and being out of school is you were allowed to stay out until the street lights came on. And so that was an added bonus as well. Now, for the most part, I hung out with kids on my street. And last week, uh, I got involved in a little project where I reached out to a friend who grow, grew up on our street and asked how many kids lived on our street when we were growing up. And so that created this uh, domino effect of consulting different people and generating a list. And so after consulting a few people and the list was generated, the final tally was, remembering there were about 25 houses on my street, there were 92 children. I mean, those are Seidenberg-sized families, right? 92 children on that street alone. And so there was always, as you can imagine, a lot of activity out there. Now, there were also times when you would hang out with friends that you knew from school or from church, and they didn't live in your neighborhood. They lived in another part of town. And so the parents on our street, well, they, they knew every child by name. In fact, they made sure you were behaving yourself, right? But the parents of the school friends well, they usually had no idea who you were. And so often, I would be asked this question, what's your name? Because what they were doing is they were trying to connect me to a family that, that they would likely know because our town really wasn't that big. So if they could connect me to a family, that would help them understand who I was. And so I would tell them my name and, of course, that meant nothing to them whatsoever. And so then the follow-up question was always this. What's your father's name? What's your father's name? And so I would tell them, well, my dad is Wilson Potter. And they go, oh, okay. I know who you are. You're Wilson's boy. Gotcha. Now I know who you are. You see, in the culture I grew up in, a child was often known by who their parent was or who, or who their father was. Today, we're going to continue our summer sermon series, which we've entitled Christ-Centered Community. And today, we are going to be reminded that the love of God that we've been singing about this morning, the love of God lavished on us results in us becoming children of God with present and future benefits and implications. Now, as we look at our scripture today, there are, in these three short little verses, there are some important realities that are presented here that is important for us to be reminded of today. The first one is what we are, what we are. The author clearly states in our scripture the reality of what we are with this simple yet profound statement. Now we are children of God. Now we are children of God. Within this culture, just like today, you could be a biological child and as a re result you enjoyed all of the privileges and all of the responsibilities of being a part of a family. But also, like today, you could become someone's child by adoption into a family 
resulting in receiving all of the privileges and responsibilities of being a, a part of a family, even though you were not biologically connected. And so throughout the New Testament, we're reminded that because of the death of Jesus, because of the cross, we have been both born into and adopted into God's family. Both sets of language are used to discuss who we are in Christ. We are born into and we are adopted into God's family. In John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, we read, But all who believed him, him being Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. When we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to accept the work of redemption on the cross, we become what scripture calls reborn or a more common language that, that we use and we hear within Christian circles, we use the language born again. Not a physical birth, not a biological birth, but a spiritual birth. In Romans 8, 14, we read, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we're reminded that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This, scripture says, is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Folks, there's an excitement in this reality that we are children of God because being children of God flows from the truth that God loves us. God loves us. A love that is extravagant, a love that is exuberant, a love that is abundant, a love that is, based on our scripture today, lavished on us. Not just a little trickle, but a shower of love poured out on us. A love that is so powerful, a love that is so life-changing that it turns us from being strangers and enemies of God to becoming members of his family, his children. The result of God's love is a relationship that is personal. The result of God's love is that we are accepted. The result of God's love is that we are given value and importance as it is poured out, lavished on us. Now the author states in our scripture that the world, those who do not follow Jesus, the world does not understand it. They don't understand this. They, they can't see it. They can't recognize the greatness of God's love because they've not personally experienced it for themselves. In fact, the author says, the world cannot recognize the children of God because, well, they didn't even recognize Jesus as the Son of God who was responsible for them becoming children of God. If they didn't, if they didn't recognize Jesus, how could they recognize those who are children of God? We're reminded in John 1, verse 10, where we read, it says, He, Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. And so that's the point. Whether the world recognizes it or not, whether, the, you know, uh, the whether others see it or not, whether others acknowledge it or not, it does not change the fact of what we are. We are 
children of God. We are children of God because God has poured out, God has lavished his love on us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, let's be honest. When we look at each other within the church community, sometimes we see the flaws. Sometimes we fail to see the value of each other. Sometimes we forget how incredibly loved each and every one of us is by God. The world may not be able to see what we are, but we should be able to see what we are. That everyone around us is a child of God. If we are all children of God, then we must treat one another like we are children of God. Because Christ-centered community flows out of an understanding of who each, other, uh, each of us is in Christ. We can value one another when we understand who each of us is in Christ and how incredibly valuable each of us is in Christ and we understand that we are a family. Not just a church family, but the family of God. That is what we are. We are children of God. Secondly, does that excite you at all? I'm just wondering. Kind of excites me, being a child of God. Secondly, what we will be. Being children of God has both present and future implications. The author shifts from what we are to what we will be. He says, now we are children of God, what we are, and what we will be has not yet been made known. What the future holds for those who are children of God is so incredibly amazing that we cannot even begin to comprehend it. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, Paul wrote these words. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, it's a good thing being a child of God now. But what awaits us in the future is beyond what we could ever imagine or think. The future will be even more wonderful than what we experience now as children of God. What we are experiencing now, as wonderful as it is, is just a foretaste of what is awaiting us. Recently, I came across the words of a hymn by John Wesley. And uh, his hymn is entitled, All Praise to Our Redeeming Lord. I didn't grow up singing this one, but I believe this verse captures what the scripture is talking about. And Wesley writes this, And if our fellowship below in Christ yet be so sweet, what height of rapture shall we know when round his throne we meet? The author states that when Jesus appears, when Jesus returns, we will see him as he really is. His full glory will be revealed to us, and that will mark the moment when the future promise of what it means to be a child of God will be realized in full. Now, when we decide to follow Jesus and when we read Scripture, we understand that the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives, changing us into the likeness of Jesus, changing us from the inside out. Now, the, the theological term for that is sanctification. We sing about it. We talk about it. It's that process where the Holy Spirit is at work in us, changing us into the likeness of Jesus. Now, the author is declaring here that when Jesus returns, those who are his children will be like him. The sanctification process will then be complete. We will be truly transformed into his likeness. We will be like him. 
In, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, Paul said, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Jesus will return. And when he does, we will see him as he is. And we will not only see him as he is, but we will be changed to be like him. Being a child of God now holds an exciting and inconceivable promise for the future of what we will be. And thirdly, in these three verses, what we should be. The author has addressed what we are. The author has addressed what we will be. And now, as we conclude the three verses, he addresses what we should be. He says, all who have this hope in him, being Jesus, purify themselves just as he is pure. The word hope that we find here in this scripture is centered in the idea of expectation. And so in this particular context, what the word hope means is this. It is a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. That the children of God are people of hope. We are people of hope because we share a joyful and confident expectation of eternity because of our relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And so seeing Jesus as he is in the future is contingent on how we live in the present. I want to say that again. Seeing Jesus as he is in the future is contingent on how we live in the present. If we have hope for the future return of Jesus, we must live lives of purity now. That's what the author is saying. Behaving properly in, a, in, in this world to prepare us for the next world. Now, notice that the author switches the language in verse number three. Up until this point, we're seeing words like we and us because the author is celebrating the realities of all children of God and what that means as to all of us as children of God. But as we get to this final point of what we should be, the language changes from we and us, and he uses the word, you know, himself or oneself. He switches to one's individual life. Now, the truth is, every family, every community is made up of individuals. I mean, in families, I think we struggle with that simple reality a lot because there's an expectation because you are in this family, you grew up in this family, that you should reflect this family, and we all know that that doesn't happen. That lots of times members of our family go in a different path that does not reflect the values, priorities of a family. So every family, every community, every church community is made up of individuals. And there are benefits we enjoy as a group of what we all are, but there are also expectations on us, whether it's in a family or a church community, that are based on us as individuals, that are focused on us as individuals. Our relationship with Jesus, while it does have community connections, is individual. It's based on our individual decision to choose Jesus, to follow Jesus. It's based on our individual actions. It's, it's based on our individual lifestyles. It's based on our individual response to Jesus. We believe that all of us have to individually choose Jesus, that our families can't do it for us, our parents can't pick it, our, our siblings can't pick it, our friends can't. We must choose Jesus individually. And so that's what the author is talking about when he switches the tone and starts talking about purity. It's like, okay, in this moment, we need to talk to us as individuals, our individual lives. Now, the word purity here refer, refers to moral purity, ethical purity. It comes from the idea that we often see in Scripture of ceremonial 
purification where people were purified through a process of ritual or objects even in the Old Testament temple were purified, uh, you know, for use. And what it does is it's focusing on an, an outward reflection of, of what's happening inside. And so the author is reminding us here that being a child of God means that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. The Holy Spirit is changing us from the inside out. What comes out is a result of what is within. And so if we claim to be children of God, but we are engaging in impure behavior, and the reason the author is addressing this, because as we've said in previous weeks, this church was filled with people who did not believe that what they were doing had any impact on who they were in Christ. And so he wants them to understand that, that you know, impurity in a person's life is separating them from God. And says, Jesus is our model. We live pure lives. Why? Because the church said so? No. Because we live pure lives because Jesus is pure. Our future as children of God is determined by how we are living in the present. As I said, there were many in the church community in 1 John that did not believe that how they behaved had any bearing on their relationship with Jesus, and the author has gone to great lengths to show the error of their ways. There are many in the, in the church community today this scripture translates very well to our world today. There are many in church communities today whose behavior does not align with their beliefs. And we talked about that last week, about how important it is for us to have consistency in what we believe and how we behave. And so the author is clearly stating here, that our future relationship as children of God, that moment when Jesus returns and we see him as he is, depends on how we live now. If there are behaviors in our lives that do not reflect Jesus, we must address them now. If there is willful hidden sin that we are hiding in our lives, we must deal with that now. Because everyone who has this hope in him, our scripture says, purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. And so our scripture today reminds us of what we are. We are children of God. Our scripture today reminds us of what we will be, that we will be changed into the likeness of Jesus. And our scripture today reminds us what we should be, living lives that are pure because Jesus, who lives in us, is pure. The love of God lavished on us results in us becoming children of God with present and future implications. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning, and we're going to celebrate communion together in a few moments. Tyler's just going to lead us through a verse. And as he does this morning, I would just think to encourage you, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching from somewhere else, to reflect on your own life, to invite the Holy Spirit to, to help you see and know. Sometimes there are things in our lives and we know they're there and we hide them and we, want, we don't want others to know about them. But there are times there are things in our lives that we don't have an awareness of, we don't know. And so our prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us things that we may not be aware of, but also convict us of the things if there are things that we know we have to surrender to him. And as we prepare our hearts to celebrate communion together today, I would encourage you to take these moments to reflect, to focus, and allow the Spirit of God to work in your life today.
where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide, where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe to you. I owe to you, Jesus. self-contained communion sets. Sometimes they can be a little tricky in opening, so what I've found, the simplest way is to just push down the little tab that's sticking out, and you'll notice that a clear plastic film will separate. If you pull that back, you'll be able to access the wafer, and then when you pull the whole thing back, you're able to access the juice. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, we read, For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your broken body. In verses 25 and 26, it says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Let's pray, Father, this morning. As we stand before you, we thank you for the overwhelming reality that we are children of God, that you loved us so much, that you lavished your love out on us through offering your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life willingly. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for the redemption that you made possible, the grace and the mercy that we've received. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that in the day and age that we live in where hope is often robbed from us, that we might be reminded today that we are, yes, children of God today with all of the benefits and wonders of that. But we have a hope for another day when we will see you, Jesus, as you are and we will be like you. And so, Father, I pray today for those of us who struggle on a day-to-day -day basis, have things in our lives that we're working through things that we're surrendering, things that we've surrendered time and time again. 
Lord, help us in that process of desiring to be pure as you are pure. Lord, holding up standards in our lives that reflect what we believe, but more importantly, who you are. So would you help us today? Would you minister to us today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless, where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness, where all the love I've like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross I surrender my life I'm in all of you I'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin washed white Jesus.